0: Let's pray. Father, we come to you, God, tonight thanking you, Lord, for your goodness. God, we thank you so much for another opportunity to gather as family. Lord, to hear your word and to sing your praises, God. And I just pray that you'll be honored in this time, Lord, that we open your word and read, God, the words that you've preserved for us, God, as a light For our feet and a lamp into our path, God. And I just thank you for your great love and your mercy. And I thank you so much for your provision, God. And I thank you for every single person, Lord, in this place, God, who can hear the truth of your word tonight. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you'll be honored in our time, Lord, together. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're continuing in our series called Life. And um, we're missing some people tonight, but that's okay, because I'm sure some are tuned in on Facebook live. And and I'm so thankful for everybody that's here tonight. So just kind of like to back up, just a touch, not all the way, but Keith went over, you know, what is the purpose of our life? What is the meaning of life and how since the beginning of time people have tried to figure that out? Like, what does it all mean? What are we really here for? And Keith showed us, according to God's Word, we are here to glorify God. That is our purpose in life. But how do we do that? As followers of Christ, how do we glorify God with the time that we have here? If we're lucky, we have 80 or 85 pretty healthy years. So we have a good bit of time to make an impact for God's kingdom. And that's the point. When we, when we think about our life, you know, it's over just like that. But if you don't do something to sow seeds for the next generation or the people who are left here, what was the point? So we're going to look in Colossians chapter 3 tonight and see what God's Word has to say about how we go about fulfilling our purpose and what the meaning of our new life is. So beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3, I'll just start there. We're going to go through verse 17 together. Um, Paul is writing this letter, and it's not like chapter 3 of the letter. It's just chapter 3 in the Bible. It's just like a continual letter. So they break it up, I guess, for people like me who have a little bit of an attention deficit problem. But uh, beginning in verse 1, uh, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the reality of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So immediately he's saying, take your eyes from where they used to be and set them on things above, on Christ. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in His glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. Okay, I'm going to stop right there just for a second. So, you know, when we, when we look at ourselves, you know, try to be reflective, I'm a very reflective person, and I pick myself apart all the time, which I guess is good in a way and not good in another way, but I overthink everything. And so when we think about coming to know Christ, you're not going to immediately... Feel the call of God on your life and 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 decide to walk with Him and know everything. And immediately be all you're supposed to be for Jesus in the first five minutes of your walk with Christ. It's a daily, and I don't know that I knew this when I first came to Christ. When I was a young girl, I was 12 years old and... I thought, you know, well, I got saved, you know, I prayed and, and just really said, I, I want to follow you and do, you know, all the right things and never do anything bad again. And today, you know, I didn't have this horrid past because I was just a kid. But I didn't realize that that was the start. I had been in the starting blocks and the gun had just went off when I surrendered my life to Christ. And I had a long Road ahead of me, full of mistakes and temptations and, you know, being selfish and doing all the wrong things for a very long time. And in that, because I thought I was supposed to have it all together from the get-go, I felt like a failure because I had put all this pressure on myself to be just right all the time. And that's just not realistic. That's not how it is the more you learn about Christ his will for our life putting aside those things it's a daily thing then we realize okay well, Christ is not expecting us to be perfect but we are to fully surrender and and walk in that mindset focused on him and so it it ju- it does take time and it does take it's a daily effort and i just feel like maybe somebody needed to hear that because I didn't understand that at the beginning of my walk with Christ. I thought I was just never supposed to struggle with anything again because I loved Jesus, you know? And I I don't know if anybody else here felt that way or feels that way, but it's a daily commitment to Christ when we follow Him. Okay, so I'm going to start up with verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. It's like when Paul is saying all these things, he's reminding them, because you've laid that aside, because you've put away the sinful nature. So look toward Jesus. He keeps reminding them, you've, you've cast this off. Look to the future. Look to Jesus. Look ahead. Don't look back. Don't pick up those old things, those old habits. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Okay, I highlighted this in my scripture because it says, be renewed as you learn to know our creator. You learn about him. You do not pray that, you know, prayer or or." realize that in your heart and get up and know everything about God. You don't, you learn about God. You get to know Him. You work on a relationship just like if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, in the beginning, you know you like them and you want to get to know them to see, you know, are you really compatible and all this stuff. And, you know, the difference there with following Christ is we're to count the cost first. We have to realize that it is a life. Shift. It is a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And so we learn about God during our walk. You may learn something at age 60 that you never knew and you've been following Christ since you were 20. And so the more we pour truth into our heart and our life by studying this word and being open to what the Holy Spirit's leading us to, the more we grow in Him and our faith will be deepened and our our trust in God will be more strong as we go. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile. We know we are considered Gentile because we're not Jewish. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and He lives in all of us. There is no categories of better or higher or anything in God's eyes. We're all God's children. We're all followers of Christ, and we're all family, brothers and sisters in equal standing with each other in God's eyes. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy. Here we go. Here's, here's the traits of a follower of Christ, okay? You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I know that is so much easier said than done when the real stuff happens. And you really do have to think about somebody who has done you wrong or done your family wrong, or was mean to your kids, or, you know, really messed you up over a business deal or something like that, or lied about you, and you, you have to forgive them. And that's hard. I, I know I've had to do it, and it is hard. It's very hard. But God does give us grace, and in turn, since He lives within us, we're able to give grace to the people who have hurt us. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Over and over in Scripture when Jesus is teaching, when Paul is teaching, when Peter is speaking to the first church, it is the most important thing that they emphasize every time is love. Because love covers sin. Love allows grace. Love overlooks faults. Love continues to grow as long as our focus is on Christ and we're not cutting other people down. Anything done out of love is going to produce more love. And that is the thing that changes people's hearts. And that is the thing that Christ said will show the world that we're his true disciples. That's the number one thing we're supposed to do love each other and love the world. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So, we're, we're seeing that the way to fulfill our purpose is to glorify God. And the way we glorify God is to uplift each other, to remain faithful to Christ, to love each other, and to be a family here that we can lean on and then take it out into the world. If it remains here in these four walls, what good is it? What good is the good news if only we know it? We have the same good news that 11 disciples were murdered for, and John was cast away on the island of Patmos for. We have the same good news that changed the world, and we wonder what we're supposed to do with our lives and how we're supposed to to live it out, and it's... It's easier said than done. I know it's simple, not easy. But it's really to carry the truth of Christ and the love of God that we have and pour it out every day on each other and on the world. To love the world and serve the world in the name of Christ. And I was thinking about um, my first trip to Haiti and how... You know, God can use anything to break open a heart that he wants to reveal more to. Like, there are, you know, every stage of life is a new beginning for something that God wants to do in our lives. And in 2013, when I went to Haiti for the first time, I remember feeling something was happening to me. But I didn't know what it was. And I just just remember thinking... I don't think I'll ever be the same, but I don't know what that means, you know. And and still to this day, I think most people that were on that trip will tell you, and the, the one we just took last year, and every time you experience an awakening to the world or to um, another culture or to other things outside your bubble, um, God begins to awaken parts of your heart that maybe otherwise couldn't have been awakened in the same way. And still to this day, He uses things that I experienced or felt or saw or interacted with someone on these different um, trips in different parts of the world to show me what He wants from me. And I remember in 2014, after I got back from Africa, I, I felt so broken, not for them, but for me, because I was seeing God through the first world shiny bubble. And when you go and you experience something, and you see that really all they have, seriously, all they have, the followers of Christ, Is there faith? That's it. No comfort. None. Somebody said one time I was trying to tell them about it. They were like, how's your trip? And I was like, well, do you want to hear good or do you want to really hear about it, you know? And so I was telling her about it. And she was like, oh, so they're just really poor. And I was like, no, they're not poor. They don't have anything. Like, there's a difference. Like, they have nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Nothing. And, but when they have the Lord, they are so joyful. They're, when Kayla was talking about how the word hallelujah is just, just, you know, uninhibited worship and praise to Jesus, no matter what anybody thinks, it's an overflow of your heart to God. That's kind of what it made me think about in Africa because we were with um, in 2014 the Maasai people, and they they're known they're the really tall, slender people who they jump when they're praising the Lord, and they jump really, really high, and they sing, and and I was just thinking they were so joyful about the faith that they have and the trust that they have in God. And they, they absorbed every word you would tell them about Scripture like a sponge. They just wanted to hear more, more, more. And and the joy inside radiated from them. And they were starting churches. They didn't even have anywhere to have church. We walked and prayed around this little square um, for one of my Messiah translators, I mean, the size of this stage where they were going to build a building. One day, they didn't know how, but they had this land and they had it marked off by rocks. And we walked around. That was their church, just the outline with the rocks in the dirt. And that was their place of worship. And they were so thankful to have that. And it's not the place, it's, it's what's in here. To fulfill our purpose in this life is to be uninhibited and worship God, not just when we're up here singing, but every day of our life we have an opportunity to share the truth that the majority of the world does, really does not know. They really don't. And whether they recognize it or not, their souls are hungry for the truth. We have something born within us that we know as people, even if we don't recognize it's about God the Creator, we are longing for that void to be filled and the true filler of that void is the truth of God. and and what Jesus did for us and people who try to fill it with other things, trying to, you know, fulfill their purpose in life with, you know, money, success, you know, their kids or their parents or, you know, living up, trying to measure up to everybody's standards or putting so much pressure on themselves because their family needs them to be a certain way or, you know, just all these different things that we've all experienced in our lives, in you know, from school to careers. None of those things satisfy. You might have a temporary good feeling. Like when you get a promotion, you're like, yes, you know, and it's like really good and awesome. But then like the next Monday comes and you're like, oh my gosh, Monday. You know, I mean, it's the same, you you have that same feeling again. The only thing that will sustain you in your life is Christ. It's he's the living water he's not it's not going to run dry you're not going to be longing for something and feel empty from it. You might want more of him you will want more of him. The more you know, the more you want to find out and the more in love you get with him, the more you want to know so you can you can tell people and you can live it out and I know that you know a lot of you are like i just i don't I just want to be a Christian and be left alone, really. But but following Christ is not meant to be done alone. It's not meant for you to hold it inside your own heart and keep it there and not ever share it. That's not what it is. It's a gift. But it's not just a gift to you. It's a gift to the world. And there are people that only you will see. I will never see. So that is your That is your. Sphere of influence. That is your gift to give back. Tell the world about, not about what, uh, well, I'm a Christian, I can't do this, or I can't do that, or I, I have to go to church. It's not like that. Following Jesus is not like that. It's, it's, it's grace. It's mercy. It's seeing that you are You are loved even though you're unlovable. It's knowing that you're wanted, not just accepted. He doesn't just take you. He wants you just like you are. That's amazing to me because I, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm just like amazed. And he has a love for each one of us that is so great and big and huge just like him. But it's so personal. I was thinking this week about how God created everything and everything is so, you know, we just look at the Milky Way and we're like, and knowing there are other galaxies out there that we'll never even know about, you know, we've only scratched the surface of everything. And like Keith said, you know, the, the one cell in our body just blows scientists' mind because it's so complex. That is like the huge 30,000-foot view of God. But when you bring it in to He laid out every day of our life before there was one yet. He knew our name before we were ever conceived. He knew we would be in Oxford, Alabama today. That's personal. That's the intimate God. He's great and huge and mighty and He loves us so much that He gave you the color eyes that you have. He is love. A love so great that we can't comprehend it but we're called to do everything we can to love the world that way. If we truly love like Jesus and Jesus died for us then our love is supposed to be without limits. And... It sounds simple, but it's not easy, and I know that. But that's what we're called to do, and that's the kind of love that each one of us is capable of if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us because Jesus literally lives inside of us. So we are capable of doing that. And I don't know where you are in your life, and I know that I've been down almost every road, Seems like that you can go down, good, bad, ugly, all of it. And I've had pain, and I've had joy, just like everybody in here. But I do know the one thing that has sustained me throughout my whole life, ups, downs, and everywhere in between, is knowing and never never doubting. I've never doubted that God loved me. I've gotten to know Him more intimately over the years because of my own study and my... My heart wants to know more about Him. But it's a journey. And no matter where you are in your journey, He can't love you any more today than He did yesterday. And He cannot love you any less, no matter what you do. And that's a comfort to me. Because on my worst day, He loved me as much as He did the day I surrendered my life to Him. And the day that I felt like I could never, ever... Smile again. He reminded me that I have joy in my heart. Happiness comes and goes, but the joy of the Lord never wavers. It just never wavers. He's an anchor for us. He's he's strong and sure and steadfast when we're all over the place. And if you don't know that about God and you don't have a relationship with Him, I beg you to ask him to open your eyes to who he really is. And if you're struggling, who cares what anybody else thinks? Just come down here and talk to him about it. Get somebody you trust and ask them to pray with you. You are loved here and you are wanted by God. If you'll bow your heads, I'll pray for us. Father, Thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you so much for your provision and your grace. Thank you so much that really we put so much pressure on ourselves. I know I do about finding our purpose and what does my life mean? And, you know, am I as important if I don't have a job, you know, as somebody who does? And, you know, what if I never have kids? Or, you know, what if I never get married? But but really you've called us to the life that we're living and and no matter what we're doing we're called to live worthy of the calling that you have set before us i pray that we will that if we're down on ourselves and down on our life lord that we'll just look to you and our mind will be renewed through the truth of your word because that's what our purpose is to know you more, to fix our eyes on Jesus, to give you glory by sharing that love with the world. And I thank you for not holding back on us, Lord, when we've held back on you. I just pray for this time of invitation, and I pray that, God, we will pour our hearts out to you, whether it's in our seat or at this altar, Lord. I thank you for your love. I thank you so much that you not only will just take us, but you want us. Thank you for that.